going. Lisa, it's great to have you on the interview series. Thank you very much for joining me. I'd love to start off by hearing a bit about your experience at Hampshire Trust Bank. How have you seen the company grow since you started? I'd love to hear about all the changes that you've been working on since you joined the team. Yeah, of course. No problem at all, Polly. So um, I joined HTB at the back end of 2019. So I've been here for around 18 months Clearly, unfortunately, the vast majority of that has actually been working from home. Um, at, you know, when I joined the, the very clear mission statement from the CEO and the other management team was, it was all about growth and that we were on a very, very strong growth trajectory. And my role was to now come in and sort of help them build some of those operational processes, move us to the next level, um, because the growth had been so fast over the previous 18 months. It's like, well, how do we now scale up this business and get it to a position where we can safely grow? Um, clearly, we've always an eye on cost because that's the nature, you know, at Hampshire Trust are owned by private equity, so that's the nature of the beast. Um, and, but make sure we can do something safely and get us to a position where we are a, in the market and a real known go-to lender in our space. Um, so that was really what I came in to do. And, and obviously you come in and you land and you look and you see all the systems and the processes. And because I'd, I'd gone through that journey with my previous employer from, from scratch, and it was a really exciting thing to come in and do that here. Um, and to look at all the operational changes we need to do to really build this business and get it to a, a place we want to be. Um, the growth actually, despite the minor pandemic issue going on in the background in the world, has been even even better than we expected. Um, it hasn't, there was a, a blip during the sort of what March to May time when valuers weren't going out and, and everybody was a little bit cautious, but the growth has surpassed our expectations. So the hardest thing now has been more around kind of trying to keep up with that because my aim is to obviously bring in the tech, bring in the technology that helps us move forward, but at the same time trying to do it when you're incredibly busy is very tough. Mm -hmm. Plus with the working from home thing, which I'm sure we'll go on to talk a little bit about, it adds that extra dimension of challenge. Um, but yeah, there's, there's been a lot of changes, um, a lot of stuff we've done internally around integration of our systems with other systems and, and helping us to um, reduce the amount of times that you touch a case, which is always the mantra in your mm. operational person you want to do. Um, so there's been an awful lot like that and also bringing in a lot of more expertise. There was a very solid team at HTB and we've managed to add to that team and bring in some people that are very driven and passionate like I am in terms of driving operational change. So, yeah, it's been a whirlwind um, 18 months in. Um, but, yeah, it's been it's been amazing and we're continuing to, to thrive in this environment. Sounds awesome. And in your personal view, what makes HTB different to other lenders? Yeah, that's an interesting one. one my boss, um, Charles, our MD, he often describes us as the specialist end of specialist, which I think is quite a good analogy because, you know, in our space, everyone's kind of got their own niches and slight tweaks and, and quirks in terms of what they will and won't do. Um, but what tends to happen as time moves on is you tend to move a little bit more to the centre. When you're aiming to just mm -hmm. to grow your balance sheet, it becomes a lot, you, you tend to get more and more vanilla. Um, whereas I think we are continuing to be in that specialist vein. Um, we have a sales team that will look at a deal and be able to give meaningful terms out from the beginning. And an underwriting team still will look at a deal and look at it on its merits. And a lot of our contemporaries move a lot more into that automated decisioning 
um, which there's a big place for that. And don't get me wrong, I, I would never dismiss that as something you shouldn't do in some of your more vanilla lending. But because we do see a lot more complexity, um, we need people and underwriters that can be very skilled and look at those cases and find ways to make them work in the bank. So really it's about finding solutions and finding ways to make those deals work, which is our absolute mantra. Yeah, brilliant. And you mentioned it before, Lisa, but you know, most of the time that you've been at HTB, you've been uh, obviously having to manage the pandemic and manage a team working from home. So what, what's that been like? And what have the, what have the biggest challenges been? Yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting one, the whole working from home. I feel like it's become the new Brexit. It's so divisive. Everyone's very passionate about what's right and what's wrong. Um, and we've all got our own views. And look, I think the truth is, like all businesses, we had to adapt. Like we didn't have a choice. So we were in a position mm. where one day we realised this was the way it was going. We had to very quickly move to being a working from home model. And, and that was very challenging. Um, I think if I could pick out the two things that I would say are the most difficult, I would say, firstly, we've onboarded a lot of people during this pandemic. Um, recruitment hasn't ceased. You know, we've continued to be growing, as I said. And, and so that brings its challenges. And, and no matter what, there is, it's difficult to build rapport virtually. It just mm -hmm. is. Um, I brought in a new head of operations around six months ago. And I would imagine she's probably only met two of her team face to face in that six months and that's an odd experience it, it, it is and I think that is difficult and so we've had to learn very quickly how you train in that remote way and 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 make people feel part of a team but some of that stuff is just very difficult things like how the pace that a team works at you know when you're in amongst it you feel that pace and you, you naturally fall into that pace you can't do that when you're at home you're just sitting at home plugging away on your own so I think the onboarding piece is very difficult and we've had to learn very quickly how to do that and make it a success. Um, and I think the other big challenge I would say, and I'd be really interested to see how other people have found this, is, is actually bringing in change. You know, whether that be technology change or any change into a business. Somehow when you're in the office and, you know, you can pull people into a meeting room and, and put it up on a big screen and show everybody what the new system is going to do and, and they'll absorb it and listen to it and they'll go back to their desk and you can have somebody circulating and show them the first time they log in, how it works. When you're doing it virtually, it is that bit more challenging. And I think it's harder to, to win hearts and minds and to get people fully engaged with that change. Mm -hmm. um, because the danger is they'll, they'll listen to the virtual presentation, but they'll then think, oh, I've got those four urgent deals for that broker that I really, really must sort out. So I'll, I've been doing this process this way for four years. So I'll quickly do it the old way this time and then I'll do it the new way next time. And you can see how easy that is to happen with people because they haven't got that support around them to help them go forward with the new method. Um, and I think just getting people engaged with change is really difficult when you're working remotely. Um, and I, I think that's probably been my biggest lesson is how you get people to really engage and be interested and be enthusiastic about those changes. Mm. Um, but yeah, and it, it's, it's been the new normal for so long. Um, we've just kind of got used to it, um, but I, you know, it won't be forever. Yeah, absolutely. And looking back now, you know, 12 months on, is there anything that you wish you'd known at the time or anything that you wish you'd done differently? <laughs> Had we known this was going to drag out for a year, yeah. Um, yeah. what what kind of changes would you have made in the business or, or what do you think you would have done differently? 
I think one of the interesting things with this particular um, the pandemic and, and the impact on the financial services industry, I, I remember the previous financial crash, and obviously that was very much around in the finance industry. This time around, this pandemic was not just about work, it was about the world. It was, and mm. so you had everybody in this state of complete uncertainty. Um, you know, I remember sitting in the office you know, last March time, um, obviously trying to be a good leader and telling everybody, don't worry, they won't shut down London, it's fine. Um, and at the same time, you know, people felt it was like a zombie apocalypse about to happen. Mm. Everybody was very fearful and very worried. And, you know, you're seeing the footage come over from Italy of the people in hospitals and everybody was, was actually in a state of fear probably for that first mm. few months. No one knew what was going to happen next. And then throw into the mix of that, the fact we work in finance, you know, finance is one of the first people that are going to get hit when everything starts to go wrong. So, you know, I also look after the servicing team at HDB. We're in house servicing. It's a very small team. We suddenly got, what, six, seven times the number of calls coming in from customers. Um, and these customers are, are worried. They're concerned. They're scared. They don't know what's going to happen. And and so you've got, on the one hand, you've got this awful stuff happening in the world. And then you've also got everything going on in the financial industry and, and fear and worry about what's going to happen to the market. And then ultimately people are worried about their jobs. So I think the biggest challenge in all that was actually like realizing that you had to grab hold of that uncertainty. And I think as a senior management team, they were the ones who really had to lead from the front and make people realize that, you know, this, yes, this is really difficult and it is unprecedented and it's not a normal financial crash in the way we've seen in the past. Um, but actually, do you know what? We're okay. This is what we're doing. These are the steps mm. we're taking. This is the certainty we have on the future. Um, and our CEO was very good. He, he did a number of videos for us and still does that, that reached out to everybody to give them an update on where we were. And actually that was probably the thing that we had to learn quite quickly. It's just this uncertainty is, is everybody is worried and frightened and scared. So we've got to try mm. and bring everyone together um, and, I think overall we did a pretty good job at that. Um, you know, it, it's as, as I say, it is an unprecedented situation, and it was a, a, a very challenging time for everybody. But yeah, we managed to get through it okay. Yeah, brilliant. No, that's great to hear. And I guess we've we've talked about how you as a lender, obviously, are managing your own internal operation, how you're managing the customers. I, I'd be quite interested to hear about your experience with brokers in particular. So looking at your intermediary partners. What, what were some of the challenges that were faced there uh, and what are the things that maybe they're, they're now expecting of you or of the customers? Has, has any of that changed in the last 12 months? Yeah, good question. You know, I, I, I have a lot of sympathy for brokers um, during the last year because, you know, I, if you look through, certainly if you look at the LinkedIn community, their biggest bugbear and their biggest challenge has been the service provided by the lenders and, and mm. the difficulty for them is that you know specialist lending and brokers are very very intertwined and relationships are very strong and so they therefore have a lot of sympathy for the current situation that lenders found themselves in you know we were all in this sudden world of being thrown working from home everything did slow down a bit sometimes mm -hmm. people had days where their wi-fi wasn't working brilliantly and of course that impacted on efficiency and ability to get mm -hmm. through the work um, so i think for brokers it must have been really difficult kind of feeling that sympathy for the lenders, but at the same time, they had customers on their backs that wanted to get the deals over the mm. line. And, and as someone who's just gone through a house purchase, um, you know, 
it is an incredibly stressful process and yeah. you you look at actually the the whole purchasing um world in this country is is a little bit broken in reality the time the amount of purchases that collapse is going up and up and up I think it's about a third now of purchases fall through before completion happens um so you can imagine all the the financial fallout from that and the emotional fallout from that Mm. and it takes over 120 days on average to go from offer to completion so the brokers are in the middle of that getting all that grief and emotion and stress from the customers and and at the same time trying to be a good lender partner and understand the challenges that the lenders are experiencing so I think it must have been an incredibly difficult period for them Mm. um you know there was new things thrown on them you know the whole payment holiday piece which um took all the lenders uh, by surprise when that how big that became And, and being in the buy to let space you know it was you know, landlords were obviously one of the people that could also request a payment holiday and brokers were trying to give the customers the right advice on that piece and, and don't yeah. jump into that too quickly make sure you're making the right decisions so mm. you know I think it, it's shifted for everybody um, the whole world did in, in this space and so I, I guess for me that's the biggest thing for brokers that they probably found the service just very difficult to manage and, and trying mm. to manage their customers in amongst all that must have been incredibly hard. Yeah, definitely. Can you share with us anything that you've been developing recently to help with that uh, broker journey or anything that you're planning to develop? It'd be great to hear yeah, what, what yeah. you've got in store. Yep. Yeah, so we've done a number of things over the last 12 months. You know, despite everything that's been happening, we didn't pause on our change agenda, which I was really thrilled about because that's the obvious thing that you do when there's a, mm. a, a difficult times ahead. You think, well, let's just stop all the projects. But we, we really haven't. So um, we've done a lot internally in terms of integration of our systems with various other providers. Um, we finally got to the, the modern world of using electronic verification of identity, which is obviously an absolute given in this world. Um, and I think as well, one of our biggest things that we've been looking at is a broker portal so that we can now look to support decision and principle process and document upload and case tracking. So that whole mm-hmm. piece is being piloted at the moment with our broker partners. Um, and I think will be very well received once we roll it out. Yeah. Um, and I, that will really help the broker experience going forward. Fantastic. Uh, moving into that technology realm then, I'd love to talk to you about e-signatures because we've yes. seen quite a lot in the news about obviously land registry, moving away from the traditional wet signatures, uh, moving now towards more of a digital signature that's become yeah. almost welcomed, especially in the pandemic, but but going forward as well. What, what sort of impact do you think that will have on your borrowers and brokers? And is that something that HTB you're, you're excited by? Is that something you're, you're welcoming at the moment? Absolutely. I, I mean, I cannot uh, the amount of times I've sat there with members of my team with them going is this signature the same or is it slightly different is it you know trying to like squint your eyes to see if it's the same as a signature from eight years ago on a passport um so absolutely welcome mm-hmm. the change and I, I think the land reg part is so key to moving to that next level because the reality yeah. is that a lot we've got e-signature for offer letters and it is amazing and it's brilliant um but 
you always know you've still got to get that wet signature at some point in the process. So it always puts yeah. that little bit of a dampener on the whole thing because you know you're not fully streamlining that part of the process. There is still going to mm. be that execution need. Um, so I absolutely welcome it. And, I, you know, it, it is, as I say, you know, when you think back to us trying to work out if it matches on a bit of paper, it, thinking about doing this electronically, it's so much safer, secure, you, you get rid of that debate, which mm. really isn't necessary. Um, and now that we've got land ministry on board with that, I think that's that's going to it's going to move the dial, and and I think everybody is going to start to move towards that e-sig piece, um, which will be absolutely the right way to go. Um, and it's modern life, isn't it? If you think about when I've just signed up to my new house insurance, you know, you do it yeah. electronically. You don't you don't have to sign a bit of paper and put it in the post. It's just not mm. how we do things. So yeah. the mortgage industry needs to get ahead of the game with that as well. Absolutely. Fantastic. Final question from me. And this is probably one of the hottest topics of conversation Mm -hmm. at the moment, because we talk about obviously really priding ourselves on the human touch, that relationship aspect between both the customers and your brokers. I'd be quite keen to hear from you, Lisa, what you think the right balance is between people and technology. Is is there a a right way of doing it, do you think? Mm. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's something that I've I've talked about quite a few times in my past. I think, you know, when you work in specialist lending, so much of it is about relationships between lenders and brokers. And that isn't just the BDM who are managing the relationship. We're Mm. all here to be part of that relationship piece. So that's the underwriters, that's the completions team, that's your admin team. You're all key to that success. And Mm. people often feel that that tech part will take away that and they worry that you'll lose some of that personal touch and I always say absolutely not what we're doing by increasing the technology usage is saying let's get rid of the administrative tasks that we don't need let's let's take away the things that don't need that personal touch and then tech becomes an enabler for better service because actually you've got more time for the handholding, you've got more time for the polite conversations, and you've got more time to give them that extra special service, which is what we all want. And um, it is about balance, it is about making sure that you don't take away the human element. And you and I don't think, you know, certainly HTB are never going to want to be a kind of computer says no type business. Um, and I think that's the key is making sure that you've still got people around to help and support and be a part of the, the whole process but use the technology to take away the edge stuff, the stuff you don't need to be involved in. Um, and if you can do that and do that successfully, then the business will thrive on that basis. What a great note to end it on. Lisa, <laughs> it's been brilliant speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time and, and for your insights today. That's been absolutely brilliant. No worries. Thank you, Polly. Thank you.